0: i'm matt dixon and welcome to the purple patch podcast the mission of purple patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential through the lens of athletic potential you reach your human potential the purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life hey guys matt dixon and just before we get going with the show which today is a very interesting one. I've got five guests on the show. Yes, each of them are C-level executives and all of them were a perfect example, at least in my book of what I might label a performance executive. And what I mean by that, it is those that are successfully integrating an athletic journey into their life to actually help amplify not just their health, not just their fitness, but also how they show up in the workplace. We've got some fantastic guests to join us in here as I am actually stationed at the Hawaii Training Camp, put on by Purple Patch every year, and these are some of my victims, as we might say. Well, each of these guests, each of these executives, as a part of their performance journey, all of them leverage the insights from Inside Tracker by getting a little bit of a look inside and taking a snapshot of the biometrics, as well as some of the guidance and counsel from the team of experts at Inside Tracker, we get to get specific and focus on yields of what actually will apply with some great focus. And you can too. You don't need to be a Purple Patch athlete to do so. All you need to do is head to insidetracker.com/purplepatch, and there's even a code for you. Use Purple Patch Pro 20, and that gives you 20% off everything at the store. If it's good enough for these folks you're going to listen to today, well, I reckon it's good enough for you. Now, let's get on with the show. It's a cracker. I hope you enjoy. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast, as ever. Your host, Matt Dixon, and I join you today from the big island in Hawaii. We are on our annual training camp here, and it is based out of the wonderful Margalani Resort, just north of Kona. Now, we've got a full range of ages and abilities that join us in the camp. And the focus is, of course, on self-improvement in sport. We do a lot of swimming, a lot of cycling, a lot of running, but also in the performance habits that can help promote your health, your productivity, your global performance across both life and work. Now, these, of course, include the basics, sleep, nutrition, hydration, navigating several stressful situations, and more. And as is typical, several of the attendees at the camp are not just passionate about fitness and health, but are also really high-performing individuals in the workspace. We have CEOs, CHROs, surgeons, business owners, and they all come together in this, well, Let's face it, wonderful environment to make sure that they are getting grounded and setting off the year for their performance journey ahead. So what I thought I would do, something that would be interesting, is invite a few of them, a handful. In fact, we have five guests today that can join me on the show. And I want to explore a very simple concept, which is sustainable high performance. Sustainable high performance. What does that mean? Each one of our guests is a C-level executive, and they have, in my mind, successfully integrated what we label the athletic journey in their life so that they can amplify performance across all other aspects of their life. Now, what the athletic journey means, it's really unique for each person. We've got a couple of guests that are Ironman racers and that sounds very ambitious, doesn't it? We also have a CEO that just loves to ride his bike. We have a couple that don't chase any types of events whatsoever, but they really do embrace what we call the journey of an athletic mindset and of course, practice and of course, really value coaching and we're going to get into that, into the show a little bit. All are unified under what I would label a performance mindset and approach So who are these people? Well, our guest today, we have Carmel Galvin. She is the head of people at Stripe, one of the major tech companies out there. Ron Porter, who's a senior partner at Corn Ferry, mostly specializing in the human resources area. We have Pat Romano, who is the CEO of ChargePoint. Maury Blackman, who is the CEO of Premise Data. And finally, Tom Hennessy, who is the president of Challenger Group and also the CEO of Challenger Homes. Now, this is a subject that we're going to tackle today through the perspectives of these five great individuals. But before we go on, I think that it'll be helpful to the whole audience if I add a little bit of context here. And to do so, I've got to frame my own athletic journey a little bit because ultimately it relates to these folks that are joining us on the show today. After all, look, I work with a lot of executives and executive teams who come to me with really the same issues that I actually had as an athlete. How do we nail sustained high performance? Well, guess what? And you might have heard this before, but I was a prime example of how to do a professional triathlon career very poorly. At peak levels, My weekly training, just to give you a little context, my weekly training that I would do would include more than 30 hours a week of swimming, cycling, and running. So that would be something like about five swims each week, at least of five kilometers in duration, somewhere between 250 and 350 miles of cycling, sometimes much bigger than that, but that was pretty much the average, and between 50 and 75 miles of running. Yes, that was a lot of time outside in the sun, and a lot of it, I've gotta be honest, was done at a pretty high effort. I could be very proud of my rather performance stupid, great work ethic that I had. And all the way through this training, what I failed to do is integrate anywhere near enough sleep, recovery, downtime, supportive calories of quality nutrition, and so many other aspects that could've supported my training. So while I had what you might label a world-class work ethic, I absolutely failed to achieve high sustainable performance. And ultimately, that was the nail of the coughing of my overall professional triathlon career. Now, this personal experience for me was really a catalyst. And that catalyst was to try and build a smarter and more strategic approach to training athletes. I think this is... An important starting point when we think about high sustainable performance, because I understood that world-class performance in athletics just simply never comes easy. It is hard. It requires commitment, dedication, and of course, some suffering. What I chased was to help athletes achieve high performance in a predictable fashion that could be sustained over time. And to do this, I realized that I was absolutely committed to have my athletes support that hard dedicated training effort with an equal focus on really high quality sleep, integrated sensible blocks of recovery, quality fueling to support the training and a bedrock of really great nutrition. I also, for them as athletes, realized it was important to be structurally sound, their muscles, tendons, and ligaments. And so we embedded into every athlete's program a complete commitment to resilience and tissue health through strength and conditioning. And so by taking on this more, what you might label balanced approach, a little bit more pragmatism, while like looking to actually support the required hard, hard work and suffering, it wasn't about doing less. It wasn't about some utopian well-being. It wasn't about some magic quick fix. In fact, it was a means to get more, to drive to more performance, to being better. And so when you integrated these really important supportive habits with the dedication and hard work, boom, that was the gasoline and the catalyst to great sustained performance. And guess what? It turned out really well. First of all, with elite and professional athletes, that was really where I started this. And we ultimately, I can proudly say, built one of the most the sport's most successful pro squads across Ironman athletes, including multiple world champions. We then decided to apply this model and methodology to really committed amateur athletes, and the same great success began to occur. From this point, now that we had a proven model, I decided to branch out. And I began to adapt this model to apply it to very busy time staff professionals who were still equally passionate about competitive sport. Now, there's no better example than the profile of Sami Inkanen. Sami was the founder of Trulia and as the COO of that company, going on that classic entrepreneurial drive towards building a business. Now, a CEO of Verta Health, throughout his first real business development. He went on all the way to taking truly a public, but at the same time was a committed triathlete. And while he was, quote, time starved, we are still, still still achieved massive success, ultimately becoming multiple amateur world champion at the Ironman distance, including going under nine hours at the Hawaii Ironman, all on a weekly regiment of only 10 hours a week or so. And that is, if you know anything of the sport, highly impressive. Well, the last evolution has taken this model beyond competitive sport. You see, it turns out that the same model equally applies while adapted to sustaining high performance in executives and leadership teams. Just like the lessons of my own athletic mistakes, sustained high performance doesn't occur just by going hell for leather day in and day out, ultimately There's gonna be cliff erosion into lethargy, underperformance. And so the catalyst, the recipe, was all about finding a better way to excel. And while it started at world-class athletics, now we realize that it applies to many aspects in life. And as we drive in, I want to be clear, I never want to compromise on standards. There is no compromise. Instead, this model that these executives are gonna discuss today is about finding a better way to achieve. And that's the really important component. I've been thinking a lot about how executives and executive teams can learn from me to adopt the practices and strategies that will help them excel and improve performance. In fact, so much so that at Purple Patch, we are currently in development of an upcoming dedicated program that is tailored specifically for folks like you're gonna hear from today. Leadership teams and executives that will ultimately, by applying these model and practices, will achieve greater performance. We've proven it, and so now we're actually gonna make it into a real product. But while I'm here in Hawaii and I'm enjoying it, I thought, you know what? We've got a lot of executives here, And why don't we hear from them, their perspective? Because it's no point me just saying, this is really important. I wanna hear it from the folks that are actually applying it in their daily lives. And so we go through five guests. We have got each personal perspective and it's all anchored around three questions each of course, with a few little dicks and rabbit holes thrown in just when I found things interesting and I couldn't help but add a couple of questions. Give or take, it is about 10 minutes per guest, and I think what emerges out of it is just over an hour of absolute performance gold. I hope that you find it useful and, of course, insightful on your own athletic journey. And so I give you, without further ado, the five executives that are high achievers. I hope you enjoy it. Barry. Let's do the meat and potatoes. All right, here we go again. And we have a special guest in this category because, ladies and gentlemen, I believe for the first time ever, Carmel, you are now a three-time guest on the Purple Patch Podcast. It's a record. It is a record. (laughs) What more can you dream of? Carmel Galvin, C., uh, head of people at Stripe. Thank you very much for joining us.
1: You're welcome. Glad to be here for the third time.
0: For the third time, and this time on destination, the Hawaii training camp. Yes, it's fabulous. You're, be, you're being very brave. So we're uh, we're gonna be a little bit more succinct for today's show. We are investigating the journey to high performance and through the athletic journey and sustained high performance in the workplace. Something that you have a little bit of personal experience around. I do, I do. I think about this a lot. So we are going to um, i'm going to try and just ask you three questions it'll probably be fifteen knowing us to go down the rabbit holes and uh, but we 'll see what happens
1: that sounds good i 'm
0: ready all right ready. so, so let 's get going and uh, as i 've done with everyone so far um framing what we think about as the program training the athletic journey as we like to call it, but we call it with that that emphasis on journey which is more than just your endurance exercise. It's endurance, it's strength, it's habits around the big bucket nutrition, and of course, sleep and recovery, something that's very trendy. So first question for you is how do you view the role or the value of that program, the athletic journey in broader life, especially in leadership and your role at work?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, you know, we've talked about this before, but it plays a huge role for me. Um, You know, I'm not trying to do events per se but Mm. um over the years i've developed a ton of different you know what i think are healthy practices and routines um biking swimming running whatever i can do um and it's actually directly relevant and increasingly more so at work um because at the end of the day a lot of it's about you know performing and doing your best work um and for me to do that in a work context or in the office, um, I've got to be good at, you know, learning how to use my time efficiently, how to prioritize what's most important, how to focus when I need to um, on the heart of the matter, um, and how to, have a, you know, learn how to use my energy cleverly. Um, and a lot of those things are actually, you know, what I hadn't realized a long time ago is they're actually skills that you can develop and habits that you can learn over time. And I have found a lot of the stuff that I do with you and with Purple Patch um, directly helps me um, think about the way I show up at work. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I'm able to deploy those skills every single day, um, but also they support me. um, So I get a lot of energy um, from the work that I do with Purple Patch, I get a lot of um, the extra benefits from all the different rituals I go through, sleeping, hydration, nutrition, et cetera. Um, but more than that, it's it's what they do to help me routinize a lot of those things into daily habits that are directly transferable into the work context.
0: So, so, so that's int- I just want to dig in there a little bit because that that's... Um, that- the the obvious stuff that um, that most people at least intellectually acknowledge has been important is oh yes I can see how being healthy being fit yeah. etc can help me because I you know higher performing so far as having better energy and stuff but but where you, the, where you started was yeah that part of it is part of it but the it's actually the the strategies and the toolkits and the lessons from it all that is. The real value, in many ways.
1: Yeah, I mean, probably because of the specific work that I'm doing, mm-hmm. I think of a lot about. I think of a lot of this stuff um, as a framework for how to tackle any problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and the work that I do is about how to help the employees at Stripe perform yep. better, and how specifically to get the leadership team um, performing optimally. Which is what you're doing all day long. And I think a lot of the practices that you have naturally evolved over the years with your athletes, and then me being able to benefit from that wisdom um, are directly applicable, you know, perhaps in a different context, but the framework is essentially the same. Um, and it's a great set of tools actually to, to deploy. Um, a lot of it's mindset-based, so it's, it's actually been really helpful, it's a good set of analogies as well. Um, but performance is performance at the end of the day, um, yeah. and I have definitely found that a lot of the same things that I think about when I'm riding my bike or whatever are actually extremely relevant when I'm thinking about what I'm doing on a daily basis at work.
0: Well, when, when I think about your journey and your athletic journey, um, you know the, 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 the improvement is never linear and uh, but but I think that you're you're a really interesting example where when we started working with each other, you are directly and and we did a whole podcast on this, but fearful of water. Yeah. Not just that I couldn't swim; you were fearful of water. And now you're swimming really consistently, swimming out to a boat that was several hundred meters offshore, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It was very scary, and, and it was very scary. But you overcome that. But I. I it, it, the the link of navigating adversity mm-hmm. and stressful situations. Do, do you see that um, those your your own personal experience of what you've gone through athletically? Does that apply into the work space? Yeah, almost it, directly. In a way? yeah,
1: one hundred percent. I mean, the swimming thing is actually a really good example. Um, I was genuinely terrified of putting my face in the water, so I had a lot. I had to break that down. Mm-hmm. Um, with help from a lot of people and basically figure out that not just the skill, but actually just how to frame it in my own head and tackle it directly. Um, and I continually do and build on that and be patient and and all of the sort of things that I did to start to develop a swim habit or a practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am not by any stretch a great swimmer, but I swim a lot and I love it. Um, Every single day, I use something that I deployed or used in that journey in my daily work practice. And I also talk a lot to my team about that. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, you know, at the end of the day, if you break it down, it's about getting comfortable, being very uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. um, adapting because there's a lot of changes that happen that you don't control. All of the things that I have had to deal with when I was learning to swim happen every single day at work. So it's really helpful to have a... An example from something that's outside of the work to help you frame whatever problem you're tackling Um, and, you know, being good at failing and not being, you know, not sort of then opting out. You can't do that. So you have to start to learn how to to leverage those skills and uh, and kind of ways of thinking. every day at work, so it's directly applicable.
0: It's funny, I, th- I think about your swimming journey just today at camp, I was talking about uh, to one of our athletes and another one of our executive athletes that has a tendency where just wanting to get to the destination of where they wanna get to, and I, and I was explaining it as this huge valley that you actually don't need to jump across, you know, that that because ultimately that comes with high risk of dropping, but you have to build a bridge of mini victories and so there's a there's very much a process to go through that, that for him is a process of building really smart habits and consistency that over time suddenly he's gonna get if, if, if he can listen and he can coach and get he depth he's gonna look back and say actually wow I've evolved I've actually mm-hmm. done this this is where I want to be and uh, I guess that relates to anything in life in many ways eh?
1: yeah and and I think um you know if you think about what makes great performance in a work environment it's um you don't spike it spikes in our individual heroics or like mm-hmm. you need sustained good performance that's what makes great teams and um, great companies and a lot of the things that you teach our athletes and all of us um are the things that every day we're banging the drum about at work and talking to you know, the different teams that work about just making sure that we have sustained good performance. And yeah. so all the healthy habits help you do that. Obviously, you show up better to work, but also those frameworks just give you mm. a great way of thinking about how to break down the work and how to attack it um, in a thoughtful way.
0: It's fantastic. So, all right. So so the the second sort of major question I want to talk about is is challenges, big challenges. And uh, as you know, I, I absolutely love really encouraging very busy time staff leaders like you to, to take on a, as I call it, a hag, a big, hairy, audacious goal. But but something like a challenge and some of the folks that I've talked to already, that might be an Ironman, that might be a 5K for someone, whatever it might be, but something that provides the compass and direction. And you mentioned the framework, the framework and driving towards it. From your perspective, Have you seen, as you've taken on challenges and you've gone on the journey towards something, how has that benefited you as a leader?
1: Oh, um, massively. Um, I mean, it's quite funny. So I have more going on than I've ever had. I've I've got three kids. I have a very, very full-time job. I have Mm -hmm. just a busy, busy life. And trying to figure out how to fit a challenge that is outside of that into that you know, and many people have these issues, it seems overwhelming when you think about it. And um, the irony and maybe the paradox is actually I've become a whole lot more effective and efficient when I take on those challenges, because you have to put together a plan, you have to think about where you're going to block out the time, you prioritize because it does help you and it beca- you start to think about it not just as the challenge, but the process of getting there um, helps you, there's, there's sort of, healthy habits that you build around that to make mm-hmm. that possible mm-hmm. that have actually made me on a daily basis a whole lot more efficient and I do believe more effective. The challenge at the end of it, like signing up for an event, or whatever, you know, lots of times I haven't actually even done the event. Yeah. Um, yeah. because for whatever reason I didn't get there. But the the process has been the, the sort of killer um secret sauce. Um and I definitely believe it's an essential Part of the whole commitment. One, it gives you the motivation for doing it every day, but actually, more importantly, um, it just allows you to think about how you structure your day differently um, and how you focus, where you focus.
0: You, you know that I'm full of very silly sayings and, uh, and things mm-hmm. that I like to sort of build the methodology around in many ways. One of them is embrace the journey, and I, I think that's really it, where these little challenges are, are almost stepping stones and they create the, the lightning rod by themselves, they're, they're not the defining aspects. The defining is the process you go along to actually amplify everything.
1: Yeah, and actually, and you know, it's an interesting thing, lots of people, and certainly in the, the work that I do, people know about how do I get more work-life balance and everything? Um, and actually something that we've talked about and you, I know, push, is this notion of integrating exercise mm-hmm. and or training into, or integrating your life into that, whatever way. And I believe, actually, That is the critical
2: um,
1: thing here is you learn some habits when you're training for an event about how to integrate it into the larger spectrum. Those things are things you have to do every day, Um, you know, if you're working full-time and actually, you know, all the people who work for you, helping them understand that seeking this holy grail of work-life balance is actually a bit of a fallacy. And some smarter part of it is thinking about how do you integrate these things in a way where they become... Valuable aspects of your life, but they also help make you better in other ways as well.
0: It, it, it's so funny that that word balance and, uh, you know, uh, it, it, the, the straight jump that occurs is okay, therefore I have to work less because I'm going to spend more time walking the dog or riding my bicycle. It's actually, no, it's, it's a means to an end to actually get more and do more. And because ultimately, in, you know, when I was coaching world class athletes, There's nothing easy about that, you know. There's uh, there's no shortcut. It's it's tough. There's no compromise. There's there's no hiding. But by us integrating for a world class athlete, recovery, sleep, nutrition, it's the gasoline that accelerates. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, that's that integration. I always talk about integrating sport into life because. We can't think about these things in a mutually exclusive sense. You have to have this living, breathing thing. Another one of my cute sayings, life is not a spreadsheet. In other words, it ebbs and flows in times of more demand, less demand, but you have to have a a, a set of habits and a toolkit that can actually dance along so that you can create the magic phrase of uh, of the show today, sustained high performance in many ways.
1: Yeah, and and the trick to that is not being... um super talented or focusing on one particular thing. I think it's it's about being smart, about where you put your time, where yeah. you invest your energy and where, and all of those things are incredibly relevant to um, how you show up at work every day. So for me, all the things that I've experienced when I'm training for something or like at this camp are directly applicable on an everyday basis. But not only that, they're not just applicable, they actually boost my um ability to to do a good job every day and to show up well um and i think it's a it's a really interesting what look it's an interesting thing to think about something like i just people who say i can't fit this thing i have no more space i can't do that when actually that's the key to unlocking more time for yourself Um, and so and that's been the epiphany i've had um that actually it's not optional and more than that it actually
0: helps you be more efficient and focused when you need to be and learn how to prioritize. Uh, it, it, in fact, that, that was going to be my third question, we'll just, we'll just go with it right here. But that's the paradox of it all. And it's very hard until you've actually gone through the process to actually start to um, get the yield from it, where there is a perception, an understandable perception, I would say, of I just don't have any more time. I, yeah. I just you know, And looking at someone like you said, how does she do it? And, and in fact, it is the key to unlock more time more performance in many ways
1: oh totally i mean i really believe that and i think um anyone who actually comes back i mean it's just another excuse you let yourself off Mm -hmm. the hook and and i've done it myself um you'll find reasons not to do it and i actually have um discovered later in life that you have to find the reasons to do it because actually that's where you will find the space for those things and other things in your life and you just yeah. it's all about what you prioritize which you talk about all the time um and so like even you know a lot of people who i work with every day are struggling to figure out how do they fit um we've got a lot more flexibility in theory post covid mm-hmm. so how do you sort of get control of um being able to suddenly work from home when the work is bleeding into your daily life everything that i've had to do in order to accommodate a space to to do what my daily workout, whatever that is, has actually set me up really well for thinking about how to just build, leverage that flexibility in a smart way. Just going to be smart. And and that way, then you can do all of those things.
0: Um, well, I, I tell you, you, you mentioned COVID there. One of the things as, uh, as a coaching group, as I, as I really noticed, obviously, we have athletes all over the world um, of all different levels, ages, obviously, uh, we're about... 45% female athletes uh, 55% male and um and, and when the explosion of covid occurred that was the blending of all of our lives into basically one location doing it of home and it, it, it the, the challenge for many people is suddenly it was rudderless because they lost structure yeah. and uh, and i think that there was structure that was delivered from the workplace there was also structure that was delivered for from our athletes for their training and their goals. And when that disappeared, some really, really struggled and others that lent into, I think had built up a successful performance recipe for themselves and leveraged it beyond just getting ready for X, Y, and Z, did really, really well and thrived. And, uh, and, and actually, we really encouraged our athletes to lean into using this as the tent peg in the storm, using this as uh, something to create structure and routine around your day of which then it could be a calming and be a route to better productivity.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think it's really interesting. A lot of your athletes probably could teach a lot of people in the corporate environment how to navigate this because we have all um, been fed the structure and it's been created for us. Yeah. Um, And so, stuff like COVID or whatever, whilst it definitely delivered benefits, it also created this confusion around also, well, how do I do all those things? And suddenly how do I stop work from bleeding into my home life or whatever? And actually I suspect your athletes have had to grapple with that problem a long time before that. And the yeah. ones that did it well, probably are the ones that have managed to navigate COVID probably better than the rest of us. Um, so there's something there. I mean, I really do believe that um, that's the key is figuring out how to Self organize around the things that are important yeah. um, and make space, and, and you know, figuring out what times a day you do these things. And, and these are all things you have to learn how to do if you want to sort of build a, a good exercise um, habit.
0: That is very true. So, Carmel, thank you very much once again for the third time. I can say thank you very much for coming on. I'm the show. ready
1: for number four.
0: Number four is going to be a cracker <laughs> whenever it comes. All right. Thank you very much, Carmel Galvin, head of People Watch Strike. Thank you. Take Thanks, sir. So all right, guys, our next victim, as we might say, welcome, Ron Poulter, Corn Ferry. Thanks so much for joining the Purple Patch Podcast. Matt, very happy to be here. So as you know, you have been primed with, I'm just gonna give you two or three quick hit questions. We're yep. exploring the, uh, the benefits of uh, you as, a, as an executive, as a leader, uh, driving through your athletic journey and how it applies to your life. And so uh, you're in the hot seat, your, yep. uh, your seatbelt is fastened, yep. are you ready to go? I think so. We'll find out, I guess. <laughs> well, we will find out. So, uh, so we are going to be short and succinct and, and hopefully meaningful as we go through. So, my first question, and, uh, and I think it's a frame this first, as, uh, as you all well know, at least because you're directly coached by me, but training. When I think about training, of course, we think about exercise, strength work, endurance work, as well as some of those habits that are really important to support that. So, sleep, hydration, nutrition, all of those components that sort of buoy your athletic journey. The first question is, how do you as an executive, how do you see the role or the value of taking on this training program or athletic journey as it applies to broader life and work as well?
3: Well, there's a number of lessons that apply, Mm -hmm. I think, if I think about uh, things like uh, resiliency, uh, working through challenge and not giving up, uh, learning how to do things in the most efficient, effective way. Um, and I think in sport, uh, and in work, those things are pretty much the same. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of overlap Mm because there's times in a race where you think, man, this is much tougher than I thought it was going to be Mm -hmm. about time to quit. Yeah. But then if you keep going through it, you find, you find your legs, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with work. There are times when things aren't going quite the way you would hope or expect it. Mm -hmm. And then, so you don't give up though. You figure out, well, there's gotta be another way.
0: Oh, I say, Okay. Yeah.
3: And so, I think it's the persistency, resiliency, and then learning that it's important to have good process, good form, and not starting to flail when you get a little pressure and things aren't going quite the way you might have expected
0: or hoped. So, that's an interesting point. When, when sort of the unexpected occurs or when you're really met with adversity is... Uh, the sporting journey almost acts as a, as a metaphor for you or as a, as a school of lessons to help you say, hang on, this is adversity and we have to navigate and manage, manage through in a way.
3: Yeah, yeah. You become confident that you can get through it. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a way. It may not be obvious at the moment, but don't give up. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't just say, well, this is going to be good enough. Okay. And you know that if you keep pushing, you'll figure a way to get to that next level
0: what what about a uh, second question that i have is um one of the things that that you know a lot because i i i encourage you to take this on but uh, but at purple patch we really encourage executives like yourself to take on really big hairy goals like for you it's Ironman racing, which uh, for many people is like, goodness me, how can you sort of succeed in life and and in the sort of pressures of work and take on a challenge like an Ironman? Last year you did an Ironman and a marathon and more besides. So we really encourage folks like you to take on these big challenges. And I'd love to understand from your perspective how having that compass, that direction, that challenge has actually been beneficial for you as an executive
3: yeah well I, I think it applies in the sense of you know that uh you can get through almost anything mm-hmm. um, and there is a way uh and you just need to keep looking and finding and pushing uh and then you need to also uh take bring on more people as an example i would say i started this years ago without a coach okay and i say frankly i made it so much more difficult than not having been. a coach mm-hmm. And I think I think about in the corporate world, it's uh, or in any work, even whether it's corporate or not, are there mentors out there? Are there people you can rely on to give you perspective who maybe have been there and done that, Mm -hmm. uh, who can say, here's a way of getting around that challenge or a way to be more effective, more efficient? Um, So I, I think in many ways, as I think about executives, the ones I see who are most successful, frankly, they have the best coaching, whether it's formal or informal. People may not even know you're, uh, they're, you're, you're a protege of theirs because you're watching them work and learning lessons. Maybe not even having a direct conversation with them. Yeah. They're role models, so to speak. And then there's others where it's much more active. But I think, uh, what I've seen from a corporate standpoint, those who seem to be the most successful, they've got the strongest network of
0: uh, advisors, coaches, whatever you want to call it. So, so that's really interesting because that the uh, when I think about high performers, and for me, some of the the professional athletes that I've coached, the ones that have been most successful, and in fact, even beyond sport, if you think about like great champions, Serena Williams, um, Roger Federer, uh, Tiger Woods, they're all LeBron James. They're all highly coachable people, and it, 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 it's interesting when I am lucky now to work with a lot of folks like you that are time starved that are successful in the workplace and there is a trend that the most successful executives tend to be the most coachable in other words the, you think oh they've got it all worked out and you you're a sponge of information a sponge of seeking education to ultimately filter out some of the noise yeah and that's one of the things that i've observed over the years from a corporate perspective
3: the senior most people seem to be the ones asking the most questions mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, guys who don't, perhaps and women who don't get to those senior levels, oftentimes are trying to impress. Yeah. They're not learning. Yep. Uh, um, and the guys at the top, I have found almost to a person have that kind of open-minded. I need to learn more. I want to learn more, always improving and not concerned about, is this a dumb question? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, they ask it and they learn. Yep. Uh, uh, and the more junior people who don't get to that next level, oftentimes they're simply trying to have all the answers and trying to impress. And at the end of the day, they're not learning a whole lot.
0: That's uh, it's very well put. What, what about what, one little follow-up on, my, on this second question I think is important as well is, um, I'm just unhinged with uh, productivity a little bit. So I, I talked about you know, get, getting your, encourage you to drive towards a big challenge setting a training program to to move towards that program or, or that challenge and be successful ultimately, but do you have any sort of personal feelings around the link between your personal fitness and productivity in the work doing? Yeah, I, I think
3: one, the fitness element, because um, as I think about it, it's how long can you perform at your highest level? Yeah, Your peak performance, so to speak, be that physically or mentally. and I see far too many, and and there's a correlation at times. I think I'm in this kind of Mm -hmm. foggy zone of 80% Mm -hmm. because I'm not well rested. Yep, I don't Mm -hmm. take those breaks as I should. And that 11th or 12th hour of working, I probably should be resting because I'm probably goofing up as much as I'm solving. Um, so I think one of the big things I see, uh, people fail to do is become, fit and fresh which is yep. a purple patch There's a very purple uh, patch saying right there um, mm-hmm. and they're operating at a, a marginal level of 80 90% maybe of capacity and mm-hmm. they've forgotten what it feels like to be 100% yep because they've never fully take a step back rest and come back
0: uh, stronger yeah it's almost cliff erosion you know where slowly the the sort of uh, op- if you want to call it this optimal performance zone just starts shrinking and lowering and lowering and they become sort of um, you know, in this fog of fatigue, as yep. it were, and uh, and I think that I, I think that's an important part of my quest with someone like you is to to help educate and build strategies around so that you can make smarter decision making. And you say, "Oh, sometimes I operate this level." Yep. The key is now you have really awareness and you know how to get yep. out of it. And uh, it, it, this isn't about taking a break, and this isn't about sort of doing less or finding that utopian balance in your life. It's really about optimizing performance yeah and one thing that uh lesson i've learned not that long
3: ago mm-hmm. uh, instead of trying to run through the marathon on the uh ironman yeah take a walk break at the mm-hmm. end of the yeah, day amazing. that walk break 30 uh, seconds maybe per mile whatever it may be i end up being faster yeah because that walk break was refreshing a chance to rethink my uh uh technique and so forth and to gather myself and then Go, and it breaks apart the work a little bit, too, versus just grinding through and slowly uh, grinding down so my pace is actually
0: slower than if I take those walk breaks. That, that, that's a wonderful uh, analogy, a metaphor. So it's a fantastic. So ready, like, last, uh, last question here is, what about, um, and I'm sure you have these conversations all the time, co-leaders or, uh, or workers that just say, look, uh, it all sounds great. I don't know how you do it. And I'm just too busy i can't do this you know i've got work and i've got family and i don't know how you squeeze it in so you know I, I can't imagine taking on my own athletic journey i know that means very different things for different people depending on their levels but what would you say when uh, you hear that sort of thing
3: yeah and i hear it a fair amount because mm. you know maybe i'm at the extreme uh, but i would say to those who ask that question say they don't have time uh i would say well you don't have time not to yeah um because you're probably goofing up and inefficient if you don't have proper balance and i think more and more senior people more and more executives are understanding the importance of that mm-hmm. for your perspective building for your efficiency and effectiveness uh because i don't know how many times i've heard people i work 12 13 hours a day and um uh, and uh years ago i was in a session where we uh with fortune 15 company in the top 400 executives values statement was out and the notion was balance was one of them. Mm -hmm. And the senior guy who was giving the presentation said, that's my weakness. And I said, there's not a soul in here who would want balance to be their strength. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, and that's just, that was a few years ago. I think people have progressed, but there's still a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But again, I would say a good effective eight, nine hours is probably going to be far better than an ineffective 12, 13 hours. Exactly. And if you put in a little bit of uh, physical element in there, I think you come out stronger and more effective in those eight, nine hours and probably more, a little more time for balance as well. And you're mm-hmm. probably, again, more effective because you've got better perspective Yep. than going down the rabbit hole of, you know, I don't have time to do anything but work and then occasionally maybe see my kids and um, say that you, again, you're in that 80 percent of fog and not effective and efficient and probably not happy yeah ultimately
0: that's ultimately it and if you're not yeah. happy you're not productive so well' ron what we're gonna do is we're gonna treat this little session right here as your recovery you're at training camp in Hawaii <laughs> and I'm just gonna get back and uh, and go and beat you up again yeah yeah Hello. I was trying to extend this <laughs> yeah, exactly so that's enough but I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh really appreciate the perspective and of course it's uh, fantastic so thanks thank for having me man. yeah cheers appreciate Take it mm-hmm. bye bye all right folks well our next victim on the carousel of performance leadership Pat Romano from Chargepoint welcome Pat Thanks Matt we have been uh, with each other on a journey in athletics and sport and performance across life for how long now since 2010 in fact i remember this distinctly a while
4: back you said i was the 5 year i was the 2 year project that took
0: five or, five or, five or <laughs> yeah. took 10 or something. And, right? yeah. and we still, now it's just a life. <laughs> now, just, now we're just uh, yeah. shackled to each yeah, other, basically. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> so we want to, uh, thank thanks so much for joining the show. We want to explore the connection between really what I help you with in many ways. You're, you're, and you love to train and race in triathlons, in uh, in half Ironman races, in marathon races, sometimes with your daughter as well. And that athletic journey, as we like to label it, and the link between you as a leader, your productivity, and some of the lessons that you draw from there. And We want to keep it as simple as possible. We're going to keep it as succinct as possible. I've got three main questions, although knowing us, we'll probably end up with uh, with a lengthy conversation and lots of rabbit holes. But um, are you all uh, shackled in and ready to go? <laughs> I'm, I'm all ready, man. All right, good stuff. So, um, so to frame uh, the the athletic journey, as you call it, when I when I think about training, as you know, we don't just think about your swimming, cycling, and running. We think broader than that, and strength and conditioning, all of the elements that fall under nutrition, including fueling and hydration, something that's very important for you, and of course, recovery, downtime, and sleep. So if you think about that as the training program, first sort of simple layup question is, how do you see the role of that or the value of taking on that journey as it relates to broader life and your role as a CEO? So I think, you know, it. it's all about
4: uh, habit, correct habit forming and accumulation of tools, mm-hmm. right? Tools and understanding a little bit of why things feel the way they do in the situations that you're in. So if you look at the the role and value of, of training, and and I think racing, because mm-hmm. racing is different than training, Yep, it's a harmless laboratory that lets your brain experience a whole bunch of uncertainty that you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily encounter under normal circumstances. So you get another bite at the apple, so to speak, because you're going to encounter that uncertainty in your work and your life and things like that. And then you encounter it in racing, and then you apply the tools that you developed in training to cope with that and also the mentality. So there's a there's an element of the famous adage in triathlon of control what you can. Yep. So you control what you can, you do the best planning, and then Life has more imagination than we do. So stuff happens, and that happens in your personal life and it happens in racing. And you just become mentally acclimated to the uncomfortable situation of having to deal with an unplanned thing that
0: isn't going well. And you, you, you so if you, you know, the old saying of sport is a metaphor for life, that's really what you're saying there, mm-hmm. where it's like you, you have this, this hobby in many ways, this very important hobby that is a, um, a free hit, uh, actually experiencing, and then out of that developing a lot of the tools. Um, what, what about the the physical side of it? Because you're also developing uh, fitness and health. And, and have you have you experienced uh, yourself uh, sort of better resiliency, clarity, focused decision making because of productivity? I guess I could I could put in there because of your journey in sport. Yeah,
4: I mean, I think there's a couple things. First of all, you know, and you love to make fun of me for this. I'm an engineer by Mm -hmm. trade. Now I haven't written a line of code in way too many years. So um, I, I, I don't think my brethren would still call me an engineer. But one of the things in my generation when we were coming out of school was the badge of honor was how little sleep you could get. Yeah. And what I've learned, especially doing what we do in the preparation for a race, or training in general, and how you structure your life and, and food and everything and fueling and everything about racing is that you really need to take a step back and make sure you're investing in sleep, uh, investing in nutrition, investing in all the things that make the rest of the hours better. Yeah. Because Accumulation of hours, it's like accumulation of hours in training. If mm-hmm. Without a proper prescription, you're not going to get any faster. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing in life. Without the proper prescription of how you're applying yourself to all of the hours that you have in a day, you're not going to get the best outcome.
0: What, what about, uh, and, and, and I'm going off my three questions here, but I want to talk about that just because I think that, that you and I are, uh, a sort of a great example of a coach-athlete relationship where I've coached you literally for 12 years, and that's a really long arc of a journey. Uh, so, so I want to explore for you the value or the importance of having a coach in that journey as well, because I, I think many people can listen and think, okay, it's, you know, I get that fitness is good, and, and I understand now that sleep is important, and you know, but, but building that recipe together, how has coaching helped you? Yeah, that's i i don't think i don't care who you are
4: you can never see yourself and you can never you can never guard against your own tendencies that are not optimal so a couple of examples left to my own devices i'll feel guilty about volume yeah of training Mm -hmm. i'll feel guilty about volume Mm -hmm. and you know i i know intellectually if i were giving a friend advice I would give them the same advice that I've learned from you. Yeah, which is volume is not your friend necessarily. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. But even but even though I would literally today give that mm-hmm. advice to someone, if yeah. I'm traveling and you're managing my work stress against my training stress when we've got a race coming up, if I didn't have you to pull back on the mm-hmm. stick and say, no, no, you've you, you, you've got to you you you've got it this workout cannot be a hard workout yeah if i didn't have you doing that i would likely go too hard even though if
0: i were to give the same advice to someone else i would say exactly what you said exactly said so it, it's sort of that t-shape where you as the in the athletic sense and including by the way all of the stresses in your case of of work and demands and travel and everything else you're existing down here and it's impossible to actually see the higher higher perspective right. basically it's very very challenging so i guess a coach should bring you up, help with perspective, and then help with decision making. Yeah, and I think I I, I think
4: coaching does one more thing, or a couple more things, but a lot more things. Mm-hmm. But the one other thing is it um, in after you build a relationship with someone, you don't view um, your coach correcting a fault that they see in you as criticism. You yeah. stop seeing it mm-hmm. as criticism. But then in your work life, you stop seeing feedback from your peers and other people around you as criticism as well. So there's a bit of mental training there where you actually embrace feedback regardless. And it doesn't make you it doesn't give the, give you that emotional kind of defensive reaction anymore. Mm-hmm. It really kind of tamps that down. So I think people need to get getting used to being coached. And then the other thing it does for me at work in particular, and I say this in meetings to get people used to it, to try to model a a behavior is you have to decide in any scenario, whether you're player or coach. Mm-hmm. It does not matter what your rank is. If I walk into a meeting, and we're talking about uh, a, a press campaign. Mm-hmm. I tell everyone I, I may give I may have an idea, but I'm not the coach here. I'm the player. Okay, so you have to tell me what you want me to do or what you suggest that I do. I may debate with you. But but yeah, it's okay. Yeah, and so I think you know the coaching relationship helps you attitudinally outside of just yourself and you know managing the, managing your own demons. Basically, it helps you deal
0: with other folks. Uh, earlier, I was chatting to uh, Ron Porter from Corn Ferry. He was talking about his perspect- uh, perspective that you know that almost the the, the, the higher the achievement level. The more coachable people are. And that's my experience. The best athletes that I've ever coached tend to be the most coachable, and the highest performing executives tend to be really great sponges of, of almost demanding coaching wanting feedback accountability education support that so i think it's uh, i think you are spot on this think it's very interesting i want to get us back on on track because i know we, we could easily talk for two hours here and we're, we're trying to keep it very succinct uh, second major question that we had is um is around something that you know which i, I really really love very busy time staff people biting off really big challenges for you it's it's been ironman in the past it tends to be more ironman 70.3 or the half ironman right now and marathons as we talked about i'd love your thoughts on how you see these challenges benefiting you as a leader so i think it's first of all
4: all of those challenges are a laboratory for your uh, to it, it basically reinforces that you're your own limiter, mm-hmm. right? So there's, 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 it desensitizes you to to, uh, it desensitizes you to risk in the context of appropriately managed, acknowledged, researched risk mm-hmm. is something you're willing to take because you know what you have to manage and work through because you have unknowns associated with something, but it doesn't scare you anymore. Yep. So learning how to not be afraid of walking into something and learning how to pivot when it's not going as it was supposed to go, which, as you know, Ironman racing never goes as it's supposed to
0: go, right? It's it's guaranteed adversity.
4: It's guaranteed adversity, right? It could be weather. It could be how you feel that day. It could be a lot of things. And so the same thing has to happen. It actually allows you to take bolder steps because you've Mm -hmm. got that, you've got that analogous laboratory and I think it also, if you look at, um, you know, we recently took ChargePoint, well, recently, two years ago now, took yeah. char-
0: ChargePoint public. I, I remember the chats so very well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so
4: uh, when you take a company public, it, you know, I'm not complaining about my job. There's just a period of time where it everything goes to hell in a handbasket mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. just working 24-7, 365. Mm-hmm. Not that you're always not working hard, but you're just going to an extreme level where it's, it's encumbering. There's no room for anything in your life. It's it sustained
0: pressure and amplified yeah. pressure, uh, like uh an anticipating for, yeah. for like two for, months yeah for two months. Yeah. Right. For mm-hmm. two
4: months, you're going to basically turn your inside and mm-hmm. self inside out. And, and so you immediately, if you're used to it, you retreat to your structure. Yeah. So it, you, it, at least that's how i respond to athletics yeah. is i it's my retreat to structure instead of retreating to chaos which is what i would have done if i didn't have all of yeah. the, the years that i have and so you immediately get into okay how am i going to manage my sleep how am i going to get some physical activity in how am I going to manage my energy during the day with the prop proper eating? Yeah, Right. You don't want to turn to DoorDash at that point. Mm-hmm. That's the worst thing that you can do. So you prepack your meals the night before, like in your fridge. I, I, we had to do it during COVID. So hence mm-hmm. we went yeah. public during COVID. Mm-hmm. So we weren't, you know, traveling, which would make it even harder to manage your food, yeah. manage your sleep, you know, still do your day, day job in the afternoon when you're off of New York hours, all of those things. Became incredibly natural. Yep, because of everything that I have been through with respect to athletics,
0: it it had actually created the framework to. You had the ultimate optimization challenge. You know, it was like, hang on, and and all of the tools and lessons you could now apply in a different way. And we work very, very hard through this mm-hmm. and uh, not not to say, okay, this is gonna be like this really sustained period. So let's throw the athletic journey away. In fact, let's use that to actually help us manage. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that, that really, that little story there, Vignette, really, really strikes at, at the heart of what it's about, which is integrating these habits, this developing of a toolkit and, and all of these strategies, not to, find harmony and balance but actually to actually get more out out of it to accelerate to use it as the gasoline to create ultimately sustain high performance performance.
4: yeah yeah the way i look at it is this is my way of not ultimately when i'm old and gray much older than i am already old and gray um not having regrets
0: yeah
4: this Mm -hmm. is the insurance my I'm buying insurance and not having regrets because it it's enabling me to go attack more of what's available to me and and enjoy it and benefit from it and you know incorporate it into
0: life and have good experiences. It's great. I'm very expensive insurance. <laughs> well, <I'm> very, <laughs> you are, but
4: you can change that, Matt. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Any time, Pat. Last one, just a, a quick thought that I that I do want to ask gonna ask everyone here because this is. The most common thing that that I hear from very busy executives, and I'm sure you do too, which is, um, uh, let's imagine co-worker, co-leader says to you, "God, it's like it's a, it's amazing. How do you? feel? I, I tell you what, I just don't understand. With all of the commitments of work, family as well, I just don't have time for this. There's no way I can squeeze it." And what would you say to uh, someone that says that? So what, So I I have to. Uh, appropriately credit a good friend of mine
4: and fellow pur- purple patcher joe terry oh yeah um, and so joe uh taught me one phrase uh he's taught me a lot of things but one phrase we all have the same 24 hours mm-hmm. so now it's what you do with it and so they're the big rocks that you have to not move sleep yep you can't move it that often you flex it but you can't move yeah. it that often you've got to eat correctly yep you've got to get your exercise in You've got to get your, you've got to be very engaged at work and those other things help you be very engaged at work. So you get the most out of it. You've got to be focused. You've got to be on it. The last thing mm-hmm. you put in there is social media, Netflix. I, I know it sounds boring. All those other things can flex arbitrarily. You may have a weekend where you don't have much to do and yeah. you don't have a lot of work to do. Sure. Binge watch a bunch of net, but delete all of the filler. It's kind of like, um when they bring a loaf of bread before dinner and you eat the whole loaf of bread and then you're not hungry anymore don't eat the loaf of bread first yeah netflix and social media and all of that fluff that's variable that's the loaf of bread just set that aside
0: It, it, it even resonates as well as i sort of think about so much of what we talk about with all of the distractions even around those pillars training nutrition uh, sleep and, rec- and there's all these tools and gadgets and distractions, and it's like, actually, focus on the boulders. Mm-hmm. Don't focus on the sand. Mm-hmm. And once you get that right, you're 90% of the way there. And then, of course, it improves your productivity and your capacity and everything else that goes along with it. Yeah, so. exactly. Well, Pat, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I really uh, appreciate you coming on the show, but also, more importantly, being a, a massively valued part of the Purple Patch family. So I appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. Take care. All right, guys, so here we go again, another little chapter of excellence. And this time we are coming with Maury Blackman, the CEO of Premise Data, and also I should add a long time friend and of course, Purple Patch Athlete. Well, thank you, Matt. It's mm-hmm. really great to be here. And
5: uh, you know, I've not only can I say that you're an amazing coach, but you have been an amazing mentor and friend to me mm-hmm. over the past 10 years. Good stuff. You know, I don't know if you realize this, but we first met 10 years ago in here in Hawaii at this camp. Oh
0: goodness, <laughs> way. so here we go. That's, who's uh, counting, right? <laughs> who, who's counting? And uh, and we still look as young as we ever did. Yeah, ever I don't know about that, years but but you do. I, I tell you what, on every day in life, we're always dressed the same, that's, aren't we? Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's Dressed for right. right. success, so we'll, uh, we'll take it from here. So we have um, three questions for everyone that's, uh, that's very kindly participating in today's show. Of course, what we're doing is investigating the link between your athletic journey and you have quite an accomplished athletic journey. You've done multiple Ironman races and much well beyond that. And your role as a leader and uh, and as a CEO. So is your seatbelt fastened? Are you ready to go? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. So so first question, very, very simple. And we, we have been sort of framing the program, training the athletic journey as not just your swimming cycling and running that you do as a triathlete, but also your strength training, your habits around nutrition, and of course, sleep and recovery, something that, that you know that I'm very passionate about integrating into sport. How would you see that athletic journey? What's the role of that or the value of that as it relates to broader life, particularly in leadership and work?
5: Yeah. Great question, Matt, you know, broadly speaking, and, and this is actually a deeply personal thing for me, because it's something that I've struggled with you know, pretty much my entire life. Mm-hmm. And, and that word is procrastination. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I tend to, you know, always put, you know, put off that workout or put off, you know, whatever it is that I should be doing. Yeah. And, you know, I tend to find other things to do, whether it's watching TV or reading a book, I have a tendency to just kind of push those things out. Mm hmm. And focus on that moment. And one of the things that sport and triathlon and purple patch has given me is a very tight structure around my life, mm-hmm. so that every morning I know I have to wake up. I know I have to go through this process, whether it's you know proper um, nutrition and hydration before a workout, nailing the workout, and then the recovery. And then there's the rest of the day. Yeah. And you know one of the amazing things about training for an Ironman, and, and you you definitely taught me this, is that most of us really only do one Ironman a year. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not like, you know, there are, of course, those outlier people who do five, six, sevens Mm -hmm. a year, but for us, we pick one and we train for that one day. Yeah. And so you have to structure your entire life around that one day. Mm -hmm. And when it gets there, it gets there and you've got what you got. So you learn very quickly that I have to make the most of every single day. In that beginning workout, that begin you know, starting your day off fresh and having a structure to it really enables me to focus on the rest
0: of my day. Okay. So it, it's almost, it, it creates the framework for you to then operationalize or optimize when you show up and you you got to do everything else. The, the more important stuff in the autumn anyway. It, that, yeah. That's correct. And it just, you know, for me, it gives
5: me that the start of that day. Mm-hmm with a structure and process around it
0: so you have to plan your day you have no choice mm-hmm. it, it's it's funny because you you mentioned I man what you are registered and and I I'll, and I'll keep it quiet which one we're getting ready for but, <laughs> uh, you. but you are registered for uh, for an I man this year and so and, and you're incredibly busy you're, you're leading a, a very large organization you know that I love folks like you putting the stake in the ground and saying, boom, we're gonna go on this challenge, as you talked about it, this one day, and it becomes the lightning rod of how we frame every day of exercise and all of the habits around it. So it, how have you seen that from a, from a personal standpoint? I'm interested if you've had any uh, links of the lessons that you've drawn from beyond the health, beyond the fitness and beyond the structure any of the lessons that you've drawn of all of the ups and downs, the adversity, the challenge, the little injury setbacks around your calves, et cetera. any of those, the way you can take and apply to your life as a CEO? Well, uh, I'll
5: go back to a story that you told me back when we were doing our first Ironman together. And you probably don't even remember this, but it was great advice, not just for the race, but I think for life and business in general. Mm and i was very nervous about doing doing the race and i hadn't done a race in a while and you said to me you said listen it's a long day Yep. okay lot we've trained really hard we you're very prepared for this race lots of things are going to happen it's not going to go as we planned it there's going to be little things along the way that happen that could kind of throw you off course but how you deal with the adversity, how you deal with those events is important. And I think the most important part of that speech you gave me, we said, just keep moving forward. Every swim stroke, every revolution of the, the wheels, every running stride, just keep going forward. Yep. Don't look back, don't think about the mistakes you made, just think about what's in front of you and what's next. And then when you get to the finish line, everything will just come together yeah and so if you frame that in a business perspective it's like in business we make mistakes every day yep we have to try we have particularly if you're in an entrepreneurial setting Mm -hmm. like like that's really what my specialty is is really working with startups and being an entrepreneur you have to try things you have to experiment Mm -hmm. and you're gonna make mistakes yeah but you can't look back you can just learn from those mistakes but keep
0: going forward think about what's next don't think about what's in the past. It's funny when you talk about sort of great athletes and we you know compete with Tom Brady, whoever it is, Cristiano Ronaldo, blah, 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 blah. It's like, there's it always the great metaphor of they're the people that have really learned how to fail. You know, and that, because that's a part of it. Every, every athletic journey, everything I couldn't in life, agree more. It's, it's, it's just growth that comes from that.
5: You know, one thing that I think is is really great for executives or anyone, Who Mm -hmm. does a triathlon or an Ironman? I think it's great from my standpoint, most parents, um, don't do events like this and have their kids see them succeed or fail. Yeah. You know, and so my kids have seen me fail plenty Mm -hmm. of times. And I think it's really important for them as, as they're adults now to have seen that, Hey, my dad failed. You know, he picked it up and went again. I mean, you know, not every race goes well. Yep. Some of them, some of them I've fallen flat on my face and
0: you just have to pick yourself up and
5: re-motivate yourself and go after the next one. It, it,
0: it's really interesting you said because you, you, we, we sort of just explored really, really briefly, but I think something that's really important to highlight, we explored the value that you get on a day-to-day basis by taking on this challenge of which the, the destination, there's no guarantee that it's going to be a success at the, at the once and but actually that's not where the biggest rewards are you know it, it's the reward is this process that you go along and uh and then actually when you string together all of these races and and hopefully by being coached by me you have more successes on those days than you do <laughs> in because yeah? not every race is it's fantastic though but though you know, when when you build the catalog of racing suddenly you look take a step back and say wow i'm Improve my performance. I'm actually higher performing. So there's there's sort of the, the destination component to it, but there's the journey component to it as well. Yeah, I think there's
5: one other thing that's really important about this body of work is that in the in the athletic sense, one of the things that we do after each race, and a lot of times after our key workouts, is we evaluate. Yeah, exactly. We, we said, "Oh God, I wish we would have done this, or would done that. I could I could have done this better." But in a business sense, we rarely do that. Yep. I rarely come back and say, oh God, at this meeting, I should have done X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've built into my own personal framework from a business perspective, is that every day I spend 10 minutes on the way home, just driving, and I think about the day, and I think about the interactions I had with people, that I had with customers, and I evaluate myself. Yep, almost the same way that I do racing and i think that is a real important takeaway that i came came away from from all the racing and all the events that i've done
0: and, and i'll add uh, a couple of things that are interesting in, a, in an athletic sense and i think that this happens uh, across aspects of life is um athletes are really good when things have gone wrong at wanting to find an answer and assessing right when things have gone right they failed to assess. Oh, great. And they don't actually take any lessons of what actually worked either. Yeah. So, so in fact, in an up, upcoming episode, um, I got a couple of uh, fantastic PhD uh, women that work for British sport. And uh, the, the theme of the show is going to be all around decompression. In other words, the process and the model that they use in British athletics for their Olympians afterwards of how important it is. And they take them through a four or five step process of, of a little bit of space before win, lose or draw at the Olympics, but then also how do they assess so that they can grow for the next part of the journey?
5: Which is going to, and those those lessons, those life lessons are very important, not just in sport,
0: but they cross apply over into business as well. Really, really valuable. So um, the last question I have for you, um, the uh, many people that I work with say my most precious commodity is time. And, uh, and of course the biggest complaint I have is, I look at Maury Blackman he's a CEO, he's really busy, family, etc. I just don't have time for that nonsense. I don't know how he does it with Man and everything else. So what, what would you say to a leader or a coworker that just said, Hey, it's great. I get it. It's healthy, but that's not for me. I don't have time to do this. It's not a race. It's yeah. a lifestyle.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: It, it's, it's a, a lifestyle that you choose to live and it's a healthy lifestyle. It, clears your mind it provides more perspective and i you know triathlon and and iron man literally saved my life because i was going down a path where i was just working all the time mm-hmm. and not taking care of myself yeah and you know i could you know i could show anyone pictures of what i looked like before this started and they wouldn't believe it was me okay <laughs> it, it, it was just a totally different person yeah and so i i think that it's not that you don't have the
0: time you just have to have the commitment that's it that's that magic word it's uh it's making it a priority and then building it around and ultimately
2: it. Amplifies and everything.
5: don't think about it as a job it's yeah. a lifestyle yeah it's just like vacationing or watching football or being a basketball fan whatever it is it's a lifestyle that you're investing in yourself yeah that's it i tell you what it doesn't
0: really look like a job, no. does it? <laughs> yeah, not bad, it's not it's bad at all. Very nice here as well. So, Maury, um, uh, two things firstly, the most simple thing. Thank you very much for being on the show and taking your time out. Uh, that's your recovery on. We're gonna get back and, uh, and get back to work right now. But more importantly, thank you for your friendship and also being a, a great part of Purple Patch. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, cheers, mate all right here we go again and uh i get to uh welcome my next well i've been calling everybody victims tom so uh tom hennessy for uh, ceo of uh, challenger group and uh thanks so much for being on the purple patch podcast uh
6: matt my pleasure it's great to be here it's well it's great to be here as well eh? In uh, In <laughs> not more... bad it's <laughs> we're... beautiful sunny it's snowing in colorado so this is fantastic it's
0: fantastic well what we're doing is uh what I'm titling Lessons from Leaders, and we're, we're looking to tie the connection between a lot of what we're learning about and, and busy working hard at right now, our physical performance, with your role as a leader, a challenger group. And so um, I've got three main questions as ever with me. We might go down some rabbit holes, but as uh, your seatbelt fastened, are you ready to rock and roll? Ready to go. Let's do it. I'm All right. Good. So the, the first uh, question I have for you is, you know, at Purple Patch, you know, when we think about training, it's endurance, it's strength, it's habits around nutrition, sleep and recovery, and all of that packaged up is the program. And so we think about your sort of training program, as it were, how do you see the value of taking on that athletic journey, that program, as it relates to your performance in the workplace and broader life?
6: Yeah, um, there's a very direct Correlation. There's a very direct connection between what I do athletically and how I approach work. Um, It starts with consistency. Mm -hmm. It's making sure that I'm a consistent person at in my training. I'm doing the program. I'm doing it at a. I do it at the same time every day, so I can stay consistent and have that slot programmed within it. Um, And then I take that approach to work. I have to be consistent with my demeanor with how I treat people, how I lead people, coach people. Um, I was once told by a leader that I work with is as a, as a top leader, I couldn't have a bad day. Another, and, and what she meant by that was I couldn't walk in the office with a scowl on my face just because I woke up on the wrong side of bed. And so that's how I approach work. I've always tried to approach it with a smile, with a level, level headedness mm-hmm. um, that comes with, just being comfortable with who I am and how I'm approaching work, and I take that same approach with training. There's days where I get out of bed, I get up early, as you know, and I don't really want to roll into that bike training. However, um, I remember the consistency part, to stay, on, to stay focused, to maintain that kind of levelness. And I always tell myself, do, for, do it for 15 minutes yeah and then then you'll do the rest and so i do that with work also if there's something that i just really don't want to do i'll say well i'll get it started and and maybe it's a tough conversation that i'll i'll get started initially with somebody um and say well i'll do the first part of it today and then we'll pick up the rest i i generally just end up getting it all done at that point
0: it, it's funny i see seen athletes a lot a um uh, one of the traits, whether it comes to sort of racing, whether it comes to sessions that look really scary, and uh, and there's a natural sort of athletic um, fear around it. It's like this is going to be really good, and and once someone gets into it, nine times out of ten they realise it's actually not as bad, yes. and it's not as challenging. And uh, and so it's interesting that you sort of uh, you correlate that to. Some of the experiences in the workplace as well, and it you sort of it's almost a parallel experience. And-
6: Absolutely, it comes down to
0: um, you know
6: take, holding on to the fact that you have accomplished things in the past that were very difficult, um, and taking risks. And so, in uh, in training and training for races that are long term goals, you're taking risks by by doing so, um, and you can be successful or you can have setbacks and. Setbacks in training are the same as setbacks at work. You've just got to rise up again. Sometimes you have to figure out what you did a little bit wrong. You use the coach to, to understand maybe what you could have done a little differently. And I do that in my business. Um, and I do that for my leaders. If they make mistakes, we're encouraged to take risks. Um, but to learn from our mistakes and a little bit of coaching on why something didn't go the right way um is part of that journey and i think it's the same thing with athletics you're constantly testing yourself and constantly learning from mistakes and success which really
0: relates uh, early earlier on i just want to dig into one thing that you mentioned there you said that you you tend to get up early and exercise or train at the same time every day so th- d- does uh, does the athletic journey help you with uh, an organizational framework for for broader life, where it creates the the structure in many ways,
6: absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm a creature.
0: Of, I've become a creature of habit. Yeah, I and mean, maybe
6: athletics is be, mm-hmm. is that background that's made me that. Um, but to structure our organization in such a way that we uh, approach our customers um, in, with consistency, we approach our employees with consistency. You know, whether it's uh, set meetings or usual regular communication, mm-hmm. um, I do. a a weekly monthly communication with our entire broad team um, just to keep everybody in knowledgeable include in on what we're doing and I think that that with training it's the same getting that feedback from the training to understand on a daily and weekly basis how I'm progressing mm-hmm. and I can get that feedback also from my business
0: what what about uh, productivity uh, you know you're very very busy you got a, a a demanding role and um your own personal fitness and, and and the supporting habits that we talk about that we talked about sleep we, t- we talk about nutrition yeah. and hydration that we spend a lot of time at this camp talking about you got any sort of direct personal experience or viewpoint on the link of, of really embracing and developing those habits in your athletic journey and your productivity how you can show up in the workplace
6: yeah i i as since I started triathlon, um, I've become much more productive. Hmm. Just, um, my energy level is higher. My body is just in a better obviously condition and yeah. my brain's more engaged and right from the get go in the morning, um, I'm ready to take on the world and take on whatever challenges we have that day. Um, same as I would get into training, ready to take on whatever um, the program, the, the prescription is calling for, and I take it on with the same gusto. So I, I, I look at not only the prescription for what we're doing and what we're doing for that day, um, and how it relates to how I'm, I'm set up for the day, for the week, but also for the long term and how that's going to be a building block for my long term goals.
0: That's fantastic. So, so I guess the the, the last question I have then is uh, is one I always like to finish it like this. It's uh, I think uh, almost universally, everyone's going to say basically the same thing. But other co-leaders, uh, members of your leadership team, co-workers, uh, some of the things that I hear always is, "God, well, that Tom, he's just a bit crazy, you know. He does all this <laughs> stuff. He goes off and he does these uh, huge bike rides and red." Ride. But but me, I'm. You know, I, I've got so many commitments at work, and I'm really busy. With my family. I just don't have time for all that. So, yeah. so what would you say to, to that most common complaint?
6: Uh, I started tri- triathlon at age fifty five.
0: Fifty five,
6: and so. within a short period of time, it correlated to my performance at work and my success at work. So, I was at I was doing well. I was at a vice president position, but by taking on triathlon, having success, having long term goals for Ironman, and, um, and really the process of the training for Ironman, it, it moved kind of, you know, with really out me thinking into my work life and how mm-hmm. I approach work. And I just became more um, aggressive, maybe it's not wrong word, but I just became more engaged with how I would um, treat every day at work and how he would treat people and customers. Um, and it just, my success just went from there. So it's almost a parallel. It was an absolute parallel. I, I felt like I went from this kind of, well, you know, decent leader. Yeah. Like I was doing fine to, I think really high performing leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was directly a result from my training.
0: Well, I asked uh, Pat from ChargePoint this, and uh, I want to ask you because you, you've you've joined us at many camps here mm-hmm. in in Hawaii and elsewhere, and um, I, I just want to finish on coaching. and uh, And you started your journey in triathlon at fifty five. Yes. Um, over the last ten years or so, we've been uh, every January coming out here, mm-hmm. and uh, and these are very immersive camps. A lot of education. It's not just going out and battering yourselves out in the the winds of Hawaii on the bicycle, but it really is about education around broader elements. Mm-hmm. And so you're a leader. You you it's interesting you sort of took the triathlon journey and elevated your um, your leadership traits, characteristics, and success. Can you talk to me about the role of coaching and how how that has or has been valuable and or hasn't been as valuable perhaps?
6: Yeah, absolutely. Um the, the thing about coaching, particularly in something that you're, you're new, or you're trying to progress, or you have long term goals is, uh, you know, there's lots of information out there. But a, a book doesn't know you. Um, a website doesn't know you. And when I come to these camps, obviously, you and your coaches get to understand me, the person what's driving me, and what I need. To, uh, to have to be successful. And it varies from person to person. So you, you understand how much time I have available, how much I can put into it, um, what my long term goals are. And I, I see the same thing at work. Um, I've had uh, executives coach me
2: mm-hmm.
6: um, that understand who I am, have provided me insight, you know, what's worked for them, what habits work for them. Um, and it's been hugely impactful on my career. And I do the same with my, um, direct reports and my team is like, these are the types of, these are the type of habits, these are the types of, um, strengths that you should look for as you progress in your, in your career. And, uh, it's been, um, to have a coach. I think, uh, I have, you know, mentors and coaches currently in, in business and I wouldn't be successful without them just as I wouldn't be as successful in
0: athletics. It's funny, I, I, what you said there was really music as, as a coach, uh, music to my ears, because one of, I think, the way that I view coaching is is almost a filter. There's so much information out there. And so, yeah, you could go and then one could go and find it all and collate. But, yeah. but it, it's really, really difficult to understand of everything out there, what's appropriate for me and what should I focus on? Because there are always 50 things you could focus on, but Tom, these are the two or three things that are actually gonna move the performance needle for you. And I uh, think that's a absolutely. big part of coaching, to yeah. be honest. Goes well absolutely. beyond the prescription of a plan, as yeah. it were, in many ways. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I, want to say, firstly, thank you for joining us on the show, but (laughs) but much more more important than that, though, thanks for for being such a a wonderful part of Purple Patch. You're a great addition. We really appreciate it. Oh,
6: thank you. I've enjoyed uh, almost every second of it. No, I've enjoyed every (laughs) second of it. Um,
0: No, it's been a fantastic
6: journey, and I wouldn't give it up for anything. Fantastic. Thanks so much, sir. Take care. Thank you.
0: All right guys, here I am back alone and thank you so much to all of our guests, Carmel, Tom, Maury, Pat, Ron, fantastic insights. And of course, all of the answers started to weave around the same concept that you have time. It's about prioritization, it's about commitment and most importantly, it's not just about finding well-being. It's not about finding utopian balance. This is about performance. This is about integrating smart strategies so that you amplify and you can show up a better version of yourself in no matter what your quest is in life. And so a final word, if you love the show, feel free to give us a great review, but most importantly, please, please, please share it with anyone that you might feel might benefit. And so that's the end of the show. It was a pretty meaty one today, Barry, but I thought we did pretty well. Now, well, I think it's time for a Mai Tai, don't you, mate? All right, we'll see you next week back on the mainland. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for joining and thank you for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the new format. You can never miss an episode by simply subscribing. Head to the Purple Patch channel of YouTube and you will find it there and you could subscribe. Of course, I'd like to ask you if you will subscribe. Also, share it with your friends and it's really helpful if you leave a nice positive review in the comments. Now, any questions that you have, let me know. Feel free to add a comment and I will try my best to respond and support you on your performance journey. And in fact, as we commence this video podcast experience, if you have any feedback at all, as mentioned earlier in the show, we would love your help in helping us to improve simply email us at info at purplepatchfitness.com or leave it in the comments of the show at the Purple Patch page and we will get you dialed in. We'd love constructive feedback. We are in a growth mindset as we like to call it. And so feel free to share with your friends. But as I said, let's build this together. Let's make it something special. It's really fun. We're really trying hard to make it a special experience and we want to welcome you into the Purple Patch community. With that, I hope you have a great week. Stay healthy. Have fun, keep smiling, doing whatever you do. Take care.